You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading is taken from John 1, the verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it or overwhelmed it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From his fullness, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. The text for this afternoon is the word of our God, as the church has summarized that for us in Lord's Day 5. The second part of the Heidelberg Catechism begins, dealing with our deliverance. Since, according to God's righteous judgment, we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, how can we escape this punishment and be again received into favor? God demands that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, we must make full payment either by ourselves or through another. Can we ourselves make this payment? Certainly not. On the contrary, we daily increase our debt. Can any mere creature pay for us? No, in the first place, God will not punish another creature for the sin which man has committed. And furthermore, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver others from it. What kind of mediator and deliverer must we seek? one who is a true and righteous man and yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, 
one who is at the same time true God. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, it looks like that you have just had three Lord's Days dealing with your sin and misery. Lord's Days 2, 3, and 4. It's probably good to ask ourselves the question, How did you experience those three Lord's Days? What impact did it make upon you that your real misery is not an illness? Your real misery is not loneliness. But your real misery is your lack of wholehearted love for God and your lack of wholehearted love for your neighbor. And what impact did it make upon you that the origin of this real misery is our lack of trust? We just don't trust God enough that when God says, love me with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, That that really is life. That that is how God's name is glorified. That that is how we will find true satisfaction and contentment. We don't trust God. And what impact did it make upon you? That this lack of wholehearted love and lack of wholehearted trust makes us guilty of the wrath of God. But God is so angry with us that we deserve all sorts of punishment from God. Temporal punishment and also eternal punishment. Did those three Lord's Days perhaps instill a desire in all of us to be made whole again? Whole again in the sense that we would be able to wholeheartedly love God again and wholeheartedly love our neighbor. That we seek the goal of our lives in loving God and loving our neighbor. And being made whole again that we dare to go with God. That we take him at his word. That we wholeheartedly trust him. That when he says, live and move and have your being in me through faith, that is what life is. That's how you will find contentment and satisfaction. The good news of our Lord's Day is that we can indeed be made whole again. Lord's Day 5 clearly tells us this, and so does John 1, the verses 1 to 18. Just listen to this good news as we find that in John 1 for a moment. It begins with, in the beginning. And when you hear that, you right away hear an echo of Genesis 1. 
two in the beginnings, which indicates that John is saying to his readers that God is going to make a new beginning again. As he made a beginning in Genesis 1, so he's going to make a new beginning right in the middle of history. And he's going to do that through the Word. He created all things through the Word, the second person of the Trinity. And as he created all things through this second person of the Trinity, so he's going to recreate all of life through this same second person of the Trinity. And he's going to do that because in the Word is life. Not just biological life, but Zoe life, eternal life. Not just life that goes on and on and on, but life that never had a beginning. Life that is uncreated. And because uncreated life, divine life, resides in the Word, in the second person of the Trinity, this Word is able to make a new beginning. And this life that was in the Word is the light of men. Ever ask yourself why Adam and Eve were actually able to wholeheartedly love God before they fell into sin? Why they were actually able to wholeheartedly trust God before they decided not to wholeheartedly trust God? Why they were able to live and move and have their being in God, the God who is love? That is because they were guided by the Word. The Word who had given them life and the Word in which that life was the light of men. It was that second person of the Trinity who hadn't even become flesh yet, who focused Adam and Eve's attention on God, who enlightened their minds, enlightened their hearts, and said, yeah, God is the one whom you have to wholeheartedly love. God is the one whom you have to wholeheartedly trust. Go, live and move and have your being in your God. Because that is life. That is Zoe life. Then you experience the uncreated life of God himself. The life was the light of men was the second person of the Trinity that shone into the hearts and minds of Adam and Eve until they decided not to trust God, until they decided to separate themselves from that eternal life and believe the lie. And in doing so, they pulled spiritual darkness into their own lives and all around them. But this life, light, continued to shine in the darkness. Throughout the whole Old Testament, we see the second person of the Trinity shining his life light into the world. 
into the people of Israel and through the people of Israel into the world. And as the darkness had pounced on Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, so the darkness did its utmost to pounce upon the light, the second person of the Trinity, and to extinguish the light. And he almost succeeded. You look through the whole Old Testament and you see just a faint glimmer of light. God's people were called to be a light to the nations. And all they were was a little candle, a little flicker. And that's because the darkness had succeeded in almost extinguishing the light. Almost. But he didn't. And so in the fullness of time, this life light, the second person of the Trinity, the Word in whom there is life and light, He became flesh. He became sarks. He had to become sarks because there was only a little flicker of a candle burning yet. And that little flicker of a candle was not sufficient to save the human race. So the second person of the Trinity did what Israel could not do and did not do. He came into the world and he shone like a brilliant light into the darkness. That's why he could say to the people of his day, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In this word that became flesh was grace. He was full of grace to the brim, as it were. And he was full of light. And we have seen his glory, says the Apostle John. Glory. It's another Old Testament term, the cloud of glory. The glory is the visible presence of God. And when John says, we have seen his glory, he's saying that we have seen the presence of God in the word that became flesh. This word lived a perfect life for his people. This word shed his precious blood for his people. This word satisfied the demands of God's justice once and for all. And John says, we have seen his glory. Not just in the changing of the water into wine. Not just in raising Lazarus from the dead. But we have seen his glory on the cross. On the cross, you see the presence of God. Looks like the darkness has overcome the light. And yet you see the glory of God on the cross. You look straight into the heart of God on the cross. You see how much God loves a fallen human race. How much God loves His people that He's willing to send His one and only Son into this world. But whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Zoe life. Eternal life. 
This word who became flesh enables you and me to love again. That's right. He pours out His own love into us through His Holy Spirit. And He enables us to love like He loves His Father. And this Word who became flesh and moved right into the neighborhood, He's the one who enables us to wholeheartedly trust God again. He pours out His own wholehearted trust into His body, into His church. And He enables the members of His church to trust God the Father. To take God the Father at His word again. And in doing so, experience life. The Word who became flesh. He's the one who enables you and me to live and move and have our being in the God who is love. That's the message of John 1, verse 1 to 18. It's also the message of Lord's Day 5. Take a look at Lord's Day 5. You've had these three Lord's Days on your sin and misery. And it's like the author of the catechism, the authors of the catechism, are depicting a person who is standing there with his back against the wall, as it were. He's just heard that he is by nature inclined to hate God and his neighbor. He's just heard that the result of that or the cause of that is because he doesn't trust God together with Adam and Eve. And he's just heard that the wrath of God is upon him. And God is perfectly justified to punish him every day in this life and to banish him to hell for all eternity. And then he cries out, since all of this is true, how can we escape this punishment and be again received into favor? This man or this woman is desperate. This man or this woman has a strong longing to be restored to wholeness, to wholeheartedly love God and his neighbor, to wholeheartedly trust him. He wonders, can that happen? And if it can, how can it happen? And the answer that the church gives, which, by the way, is the answer that each one of us gives, is that God's justice must be satisfied. And God's justice is His passion for wholeness. God doesn't like it that there's all darkness in the world and brokenness. It grieves God that people don't wholeheartedly love Him and don't wholeheartedly trust Him. And God has this passion in His being to make things whole again. But this justice or this passion for wholeness has a price tag attached to it. Someone must completely keep the law of God. God. 
And someone must bear his full burden, the burden of his full wrath against the sin of the whole human race. It's the price tag. You can't just sin like that. You just can't separate yourself from God and say, well, it doesn't really matter. The church says there's a price tag. And the church says that in line with the Scriptures. Someone's got to pay for that. And then together with the church, you and I confess that we can't pay, make that payment. We can't pick up the tab and pay. And neither can some other creature do that. In fact, it wouldn't even be fair if some other creature picked up the tab and paid for us. So we need someone else. We need a mediator. Someone to come to our rescue. Someone who's going to come from heaven. Someone who is true God and true man. We need the Word, the second person of the Trinity, in whom there is life. The Word in whom there is light. We need that Word to become flesh and see His glory. We need the Word to become flesh because we are in dire need of grace and in dire need of truth. Only when He comes and only when we embrace Him, receive Him in faith, will life be made whole again. Will God find a community of people on this earth who indeed wholeheartedly love Him. Not perfectly, but it is a desire of their hearts to wholeheartedly love Him. And they do so because they wholeheartedly trust Him. Only then will life be made whole and beautiful and harmonious again. But this is so John shows us in his gospel. If you take a look at John 2, the verses 1 to 11, you have the changing of the water into wine. It's the first miracle that Jesus did. He changed the water into wine. What's he trying to indicate by performing this mighty deed? He wants to show his people. He wants to show you and me that as water was changed into wine by Jesus, so Jesus has come to change broken and dilapidated lives into whole and healed lives again. That's what John is showing here. He said in the beginning, and he's indicating to his readers, the word is going to make a new beginning. And then the first miracle that Jesus does shows that Jesus is indeed going to make that new beginning. Transform lives. Make lives new. Like water was transformed and made new into wine. And we see the same with the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus 
who thought he could pull himself up by his own bootstraps. Nicodemus, who was caught in the maze of self-effort. The Lord Jesus Christ, he says to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, Nicodemus, unless you are born from above, you will not even see the kingdom, let alone enter into the kingdom. The blessings of the kingdom will not come flowing into your life. The love and the trust of the Lord Jesus Christ will not come flowing into his life unless he is born from above. Born anew. In John chapter 4, Jesus illustrates the same in his conversation with the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman who had drank from all sorts of polluted and poisonous wells, whose life was in shambles, whose life was full of darkness, in whose life there was no wholehearted love for God and there wasn't any wholehearted love for her neighbor either because she didn't trust God. That that was the way to life. And Jesus says to her, If you drink the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. Indeed, the water that I give you, and he doesn't say this, but it's implied, will make you whole, will make you beautiful again, will enable you to wholeheartedly love in a way that you've never loved before. The water that I give you will enable you to make a go of it with God. Place your full trust in God. Because the water that I give you will become in you an artesian well. Think of that. A well that never runs dry. An artesian well just Bubbling up with, oh, comes out that water. Love, 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 trust, trust, trust. Patience, kindness, goodness. All this beautiful love, boom, 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 just coming up all the time. That's how Jesus makes our lives whole again. He does that with you too. And with me. He wants to do that with every member of this congregation. He wants us to drink from Him. To drink the pure and pristine and clear water that only He has and only He can give. He wants us to be born from above. Born again. He wants us to be freed from our self-effort, trying to make a go of our lives in our own strength, physical strength or mental strength, whatever you may have. He wants us to be born from above so that out of the fullness of His grace, we can receive one blessing after another. He wants our lives 
to be transformed from broken lives into healed and whole lives. Just like water was transformed into wine. You've just had those three Lord's Days on our sin and misery. And now you have a Lord's Day on God coming to our rescue in the Lord Jesus Christ and making our life whole again. It's not the first time you've heard this. I'm not preaching to new Christians. You've heard this before. And so it's good to ask ourselves this afternoon, is that your experience? In Lord's Day 1, the church asked the question, what is our only comfort in life and death? And I trust that together you all said, my only comfort is that I am not my own. I belong to Jesus. With body and soul, both in life and death, I belong to Him. Because there is no other name given among men whereby I must be saved than the name of Jesus. That's why I belong to Him. He makes my life whole again. Is that your experience? What's our life like when we live it with the Lord Jesus Christ? Just imagine that. Ordinary water was changed into wine. Ordinary broken lives can be made whole again today, tomorrow, and the next day. Have you experienced that? The transformative effect of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your only comfort? Just imagine that. An artesian well bubbling up inside of you. You so desperately long to love God with all of your heart. And you so desperately long to love your neighbor as yourself. And now Jesus is your only comfort. You believe in Jesus. And you confess that you drink the water that Jesus gives. What's your experience? Do you have this Zoe life, this uncreated life of Jesus himself, just bubbling up? There comes love, another bubble of love. There comes another bubble of light. There comes another bubble of trust. And you are Your thirst is quenched. You don't thirst for any other source. You trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ has not left you in the lurch. He has done what He has said He would do. He fills you with an artesian well 
of eternal life. Do you experience the first fruits of the kingdom of heaven breaking forth into your life? Nicodemus, you won't even see the kingdom if you're not born again. You won't even enter into the kingdom if you're not born again. You're born again, right? I'm born again. We've had this secret, mysterious birth through the Spirit of God from above. And because we have, the life of the future kingdom is breaking forth into the broken and dark present. And my, my how good it feels. How good it is to live in the Spirit and experience the life of the Spirit. Is that your experience? Is that mine? My only comfort? I'm not my own, but I belong to Jesus. And my life has never been the same again because I drink from Him. Could be that it's not our experience. We've had these three Lord's Days on our sin and misery and we long to be made whole and somehow this longing is not satisfied. We're still thirsting and thirsting to be made whole. And I'm not talking about the remaining indwelling sin. I'm not talking about we've been made perfect because we never are going to be made perfect on this side of eternity. But somehow we don't have this single-minded focus on God, this single-minded love for Him. If that is a problem for us, then it might be good to remember what people who go to AA do. You know those 12 steps for AA? And you know the first step of those 12 steps is that a person has to admit that he is completely powerless over his addiction. Totally powerless. And I mean completely powerless. He needs the help and it's very generic in AA, he needs the help of some sort of a higher power. It's only then, it's only when someone goes to AA and has admitted his, his complete sin and misery, so to speak, to use the language of the catechism, has, has admitted his total bankruptcy gets on his knees, as it were, and holds up his hands with palms up in the air like a beggar and says, I am completely helpless. It's only then, at the beginning of wholeness, the beginning of healness, of healing, will take place. It's the same with Christians. It's only when we get on our knees. It's probably good to literally get on our knees too. It's very good for us. Get on our knees 
and face the palms of your hands upwards. Imagine yourself being on the east side and being a beggar. You have nothing. And you are dependent upon the charity and generosity of someone who comes by. And that's how God wants us to feel. Spiritually, we have nothing. He wants us to feel our total sin and misery and feel bad about it. Stick up our hands and say, Father, I need you badly. I need you completely. I am with my back against the wall. Come to my rescue with the word who became flesh in whom there is life, eternal life, the life that is the light of men. Shine into my brain. Shine into my heart. Make me receptive to his life. Jesus says the same. I have, he says, you know what? I have not come for the healthy. I've come for the sick. And Jesus didn't mean that there actually were people who were healthy. In other words, Jesus only came for half of the human race. The other half didn't need him. That's not what Jesus meant. When he says, I, I haven't come for the healthy, he's talking about, I haven't come for those people who think they're not sick who think they don't need me because they're never going to get better anyway as long as they live in denial. Only those people who no longer live in denial who really realize that they are sick. Those people I've come to heal. And so the question that each one of us needs to ask ourselves this afternoon is how sick do I really feel? And I don't mean that in a Pelagian sense, as if there was no total depravity. No, I mean it simply in a spiritual sense. How sick do you feel? How sick do I feel? How helpless do you feel? And do I feel? God wants us to continue to feel that way. It's not like you're on a continuum and you have your three Lord's Days of sin and misery. That's the, the black area. And so you're right at the borderline here. You're at the border of Lord's Day 4 and 5. And, okay, Lord, I feel really helpless. I feel very, very sick. You receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden you're in the light, you know. And there's no darkness tagging along behind you. It's not like that. See, while we live our lives on this side of eternity, we always live it in a week. We live it in the sarks, in the flesh, that the Lord Jesus Christ also took on, the weak, frail human flesh. And the darkness, as the darkness tried to extinguish the light in the Old Testament, So the darkness will try to extinguish the light in your life and in my life. We're never completely healthy. 
on this side of eternity. We always will feel the pull of the old habits. This past week there was some some awful thoughts that just went through my mind. And I thought to myself, where did I come from? Because that's not me. And yet it was me. It was me thinking those awful thoughts. It reminded me once again of the darkness trying to, to extinguish the life in my life. It reminded me once again of even though I, I try to drink from the water of Jesus, there's still a lot of polluted water in my life. It reminded me that I'm still pretty sick. Still pretty helpless. That I always need to be transformed again, day after day. That day after day, I need to be born again from above, just like Nicodemus. Every day again, I need to drink from that clear water that only Jesus has and can give. Because that's the case, the Lord Jesus Christ comes to all of us this afternoon. Before he ascended into heaven, he said to his disciples, Lo, I am with you to the close of the age. He's here this afternoon. The book of Revelation, he walks among the lampstands. He's walking among the members of this church, in the Spirit, in the flesh, He's in heaven. In the Spirit, He's here. And He he speaks to us through John 1, verse 1 to 18. And He also speaks to us through Lord's Day 5. And He also speaks through this message that I'm delivering on Lord's Day 5. He says to you, he says to me, he says it to the younger ones too. He says, I am the mediator. I'm the one you're looking for. You stood there with your back against the wall and you said, if all of this is true, how can we escape this punishment and be restored again into favor? Through me. I'm the one. I satisfied the Father's passion for wholeness. I lived a perfect life for you. Because I did, I picked up the tab for you. And I shed my precious blood for you. I died in a cursed death on Calvary's cross. In doing so, I also picked up the tab for you. In me, in me there is life. Wholehearted love for God and your neighbor. In me there is light. Wholehearted trust for God. In me there is grace. An inexhaustible fountain of grace. I can make your life whole again. 
So I call you this afternoon, says Jesus. I call you to live in me. You are in me. I am your only comfort, am I not? Now I call you to live in me so that I can live in you and make you whole. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.